and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reis, your host, and in the studio we have all the way from the United States, originally from Sydney, then to Adelaide, or <laughs> the United States and back. It's Matt Frad, the uh, founder of Pints with Aquinas, and you would remember uh, it was about a year and a half ago I was on his show, um, and now it's my turn to dish it back at him. <laughs> so he's live in the studio at the Perusia office. Welcome, Matt Frad. It is such an honor to be here. Great to, thanks for coming. And I'm so grateful for all the work that Perusia does, just seeing all the books and CDs that you guys have printed and have helped spread around the country. Thank you yeah. for the work that you've done. Thank you. Oh, pray. It's an honor. I, I feel extra grateful <laughs> because I feel like you're helping my people. And of course, my people are you and your yes. people. You know, we're Australians, so yes. I'm glad to see good works being done here. Yeah. Thank you. Well, praise God. Well, it's uh, it's been a long journey, and, and I, I shared my testimony on your podcast, and, yeah. and that sort of was the journey of how Perusia began and all of that. And and I encourage people, we'll probably put the link to that, to the Pines with Aquinas uh, there. Yeah. If they haven't subscribed, they should. Uh, but I, this is our turn to learn more about you, Matt. Um, you're, you are originally from Australia. Um, but do you mind if we just did a bit of a, an overview? Matt Frad, uh, born, were you a cradle Catholic? And I know you were born in Sydney, so just a little bit about your upbringing. No worries, yeah, so my dad was in the Australian Navy, and so him and my mum were living here in Sydney. So I was born at the Ride Hospital, which I guess we weren't too far, far from today. Not far from here, actually, Amazing, eh? And so, but my parents are from South Australia, so they went back <laughs> there, and I was raised in Port Pirie, South Australia. And um, my grandma was a very, my mum's mum was a very strong Catholic. She would always have her rosary beads and her murder mystery novels <laughs> and her long neck beer. Beautiful woman. <laughs> She's uh, um, kind of the matriarch in some respects. And so my mum would take us to mass every week. My dad wouldn't go because um, he wasn't raised Catholic, you know. Okay. And uh, I don't know, I didn't like going, probably just because I was bored. Yeah. I didn't see the yeah. point in it. And, so I began to have questions about the faith and began doubting the existence of God um, and uh, stopped right through going. like primary years, high school years, are we talking? I'd say like 12 or 13, I was already thinking, I don't know, I think that maybe we like the idea of there being some nice place we're all going to go after death. Mm. Um, who wouldn't? That sounds lovely. Death sounds terrifying. So maybe we've come up with this story to sort of get through the difficult days. Uh, now, so I kind of decided God probably didn't exist. I wasn't an atheist because that hadn't become cool yet. It did in okay. about 2006 yeah. or three. <laughs> um, but I was open to kind of spirituality, Eastern spirituality, yoga. I was open to these sorts of things. I think in part because they didn't make a demand upon me morally, really, mm. at least in the sexual realm, which is primarily what I was concerned about as a teenager. Um, and I was open to life being mysterious and deeper than we realize. I liked all of those ideas. I just didn't like Jesus and the, and the God have mercy on me and the church and all of that just seemed stale and didn't sort of connect with me. Now, you are, you got siblings as well. You yep. had a, a brother and a sister. Yeah. Uh, were they sort of, was it the same in the, with them as well? I think it was up? the same throughout the whole town. Grew up in a small country town. Um, yeah, just, I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard when you look back because it's, it's hard to be objective. I could say sitting here that maybe it was because we played these terrible 70s hymns from a tape mm -hmm. recorder while we projected the just mindless words onto a screen and 
and that maybe if I was brought up in something more traditional, I would have had more respect for it at least. And maybe that's true, maybe it isn't, I don't know. But, but yeah, I stopped going whenever I could, and my brother and sister were kind of the same thing. It just it was this kind of artifact left over from someone else's, uh, you know, uh, generation. Yeah. That wasn't something. How I long? To. Um, so you would have graduated high school. What did you do after high school? And and were you still in this frame of mind right through as an 18, 19 year old? So no, I would say in high school I became more outspoken in being anti, not anti-Christian, but just sort of against Christians yeah. and the and what they believed, and just more cynical about the whole thing. Um, but at the age of seventeen, my mum came home from Holy Mass. I was in my senior year of high school. And she said, this lady got up and she spoke and she wants to know if people want to go to World Youth Day. And I didn't know what that was. <laughs> in Rome. And I'm thinking, I could get a trip to Rome out of this. So I said, uh, I'll, yeah, I'll go to Rome. And she said, well, I'm not paying all this money for you to go make a bloody idiot of yourself. That's her exact word. And fair enough. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you had to put money on it back in the day, you would have put money on idiot, not come to Jesus. <laughs> so I said, no, I'm not. I, I just, I'd love to go. And so we prepared and... So it was during that year, senior of high school, that I had my conversion. Okay. Yeah. So, the, so you were in year 12. Yep. In Rome, yep. World Youth Day. Yeah. Well, tell us about that experience. What was World Youth Day like, especially when you didn't know what to expect? Well, I was shocked that there were normal people who loved Jesus Christ and believed it. Like, I hadn't met anybody like that. Yeah. Again, small, isolated town. The only young people I met who were enthusiastic about their faith were kind of evangelical Christians who, mm -hmm. God bless them, very good people, but their enthusiasm kind of turned me off a little bit. <laughs> uh, they were very happy, very yeah. excited. I became one of those people later. Um, so when I flew from Adelaide to Sydney and was like, okay, here's the group of people we're going with, I don't know, I just thought it was going to be a group of people my age, like people from my school, where we're all just going for fun. And then I realized, well, yes, we're going for fun, but these people really believe this stuff. Yeah. And so it's a long flight, you know, to get to Italy from Sydney, obviously. So I had a long journey where I got to speak with these people about why they were saving sexual marriage and did they really think Jesus Christ existed and what about other religions and things like that. Wow. And I think I was just really impressed with their joy and their lack of cynicism and they were just attractive people. Yeah. And that kind of opened me up, I think. That's great. And it's yeah. great that they were there to listen yeah. to you and put you up with like, it's, I mean, it's great that, that I guess they were a good witness in that sense yep. for you at the time. Yeah. Then you get there and um, did you have an encounter or what was it like in Rome? Yeah. Well, first I should say that it's interesting because sometimes as Christians, we feel pressure to sort of talk people into something. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think if they had have taken that approach, I would have been maybe more defensive. Interesting. But it was more just, I don't know, they just, they enjoyed me for some reason. And they shared with me their faith. I remember saying to this one fellow, I said, you're not going for Jesus or any of that stuff, are you? <laughs> he said, yeah, absolutely. He told me he was a drug addict and that someone had prayed over him at church and the Lord freed him from that addiction. And I just did not understand what that meant. Wow. But I knew he was sincere. Mm -hmm. uh, so during Rome, I think there were several occasions where I prayed, God, if you exist, if you exist, reveal yourself to me in a way that I would understand. And I would say there were a couple of experiences where I was most certainly moved to tears. It's a very cliche thing I know to say, but it felt that the 
presence of Christ was very real to me, that he loved me as I was, too much to leave me that way, that kind of thing. And uh, I, don't, I don't know, I, I can't point to a moment where I just totally changed my mind, but I came back home like one of those happy Christians yeah. I told you about. Just, it's real. Wow. It was so real. It would be like if I didn't know Charbel existed and everyone talked about this Charbel and then I met him. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, no, it was that real. So I came home from Rome just telling everybody about Jesus, thinking that they would just go, oh, okay, cool, I didn't know that, and then be as excited as I was. And I was a little stunned that they weren't necessarily that enthusiastic, (laughs) you know. Wow, wow. So you're back home and you're on fire. (laughs) Yep. um, So the rest of your schooling, did that impact the way you lived your life then, um, finished high school, what was that like? Did your friends see a difference in you? So one friend of mine said, it was like having a brother who went away to war and came back a totally different person. Mm. Um, I remember him saying that. I certainly lost some friends and I think people were quite turned off by how full on I was. So I'd go to the same classes, but with my Bible. And I didn't want to do the study, I just wanted to read the Bible. Or I'd skip classes and I'd go hang out with the Blessed wow. Sacrament and uh, the teacher would have to come and get me. Um, wow. So there was you know, certainly immaturity there. But if you're not going to be immature when you're young, when are you going to be immature? <laughs> and it was an immaturity in love, I think. It was That's like right. I was just head over heels with this Jesus. Um, so at that point, I didn't want to do anything but do something for our Lord. So I think I thought, well, the priesthood makes sense because that seems like the most radical thing I could do. So I was open to that, but that, but I was not interested in anything else. I just wanted to do something about Jesus. That's know? amazing. Yeah. So 18 years old now. Yeah. Um, so, and your mum would have noticed as well. She thought her investment so this, was pretty good. This is a true story. My mum started meeting with my bishop, Bishop Eugene Hurley, because she thought I had been brainwashed. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think she was grateful that I was happy because prior to going, I was pretty sad and I, I, would, I would do these very dramatic things like write suicide poetry, you know, not oh, because wow. I was necessarily, not because I was suicidal, I wasn't, mm. but I was just looking for a reaction and I was kind of angry and mm. I'd listen to a lot of very death metal, at least not death metal, but heavy metal bordering on the anti-Christian. So, and I don't want to give the impression that I came back like this really mature, wonderful, it wasn't that. I, I was as immature as I was before. And, you know, still had serious sins I was dealing with. And I think I still, I was lying about certain things. Like it, so it wasn't like I went from sinner to saint. No, mm-hmm. it was, I went from someone who had no idea what life was about to, it's real. It's actually real. I want to give everything I have to this thing, you know. Praise God. Yeah. Thank God that happened. Did you, um, so after that, did you end up going to university or what did you do? So I never went to university until I got married. So I married my American wife. We met doing missionary work in Ireland. And uh, it's funny, I don't know what it's like in Sydney, but in South Australia, my country town, not everyone went to college and it was kind of normal that you didn't go to college. Of course, then I meet this American girl and everyone in America apparently has to go to college. I think that's beginning to change, thankfully. But I felt a little, oh, gee, I should probably go to college or something. But <laughs> I had no funds to make it happen. And it wasn't until I started working at Catholic Answers that they sent me to get my undergrad. How about that? And then after that, I got my master's. So what, what did you do then uh, as, a, as a 19-year-old there after school? Oh, what were you doing? Well, were I was working, working in, in a copper mine. 
Okay. In Roxby Downs, uh, right. kind of northern, southern Australia, South Australia. Okay, okay. How long for? Uh, a year, because all I wanted to do was serve as a missionary with Net Ministries. So you joined uh, with them? Yeah. Or you, were you preparing Well, my parents to... said to me, just go, you know, get some, <laughs> just settle down. And I don't blame them. I mean, it was a pretty scary thing for me to say. But anyway, so I was working at a copper mine as a lab technician. And I just, all I wanted to do was just proclaim the gospel. And so I actually ended up applying to Net Ministries of Canada. Wow. Um, they said, you've got to raise your salary. And I thought, I make a lot of money working in a copper mine. I can pay that now. When do you want it? You know? Yeah, wow. So I went from making $1,000 a week to $100 a month. That's, that was the stipend. <laughs> Where, you know, you'd stay in host homes and they'd feed you and everything. So it wasn't like you were going without. But yeah, I got accepted and... You would have been, what, 20 then? Nine, yeah, about then? 19, 20. And Net Ministries, for those who don't know, what is Net Ministries? It stands for National Evangelization Teams. It started in Minnesota, and the idea was that they would, they would send out teams of young adults who would run retreats for high school students across the okay. country. It then went to Australia, and then Canada, even Uganda, yes. and then I was wow. on the pilot team that then went to Ireland. All so right. my wife and I met on that pilot team going to Ireland. So she was with Net Ministries. I see how I'm saying Ireland. Ireland, Ireland. I do that because yeah, yeah. in America, in America they, want they don't know. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland, yeah. there you go. The yeah. island. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so you, your wife was also in Net Ministries in Canada. Yep. Wow, okay, because she's not from Canada, Here's right? a cool story. Is she from Canada? No. She's from Texas. Okay. And we found this out, that when I was in Rome, experiencing my conversion to Christ was August of 2000. Mm. And in August of 2000, my now wife was a missionary in Canada for NET, <laughs> and she had just heard that you should pray for your future spouse. So she started praying for me the month that I came to the Lord. Wow. Isn't that neat? That's, that's God. Yeah. <laughs> that's powerful. Yeah. Um, well, pray for your future spouse. Those people uh, <laughs> never know what happens. Yeah. Our Lord answers instant. Now, uh, so how long were you with Net Ministries for? Um, so I, was, I served as a missionary for a year in Canada. Then I was part of the pilot team for a few months. Uh, then, then I moved to Texas and was working in kind of youth ministry. Because you met this girl from Texas. This beautiful woman. Were you, um, was it like instant attraction or was it over time you became friends and then well, realized, the I, hey, how's... Yeah, the way I put it is, you know, lots of women are attractive. Okay. So when people <laughs> say, didn't you find her attractive? I'm like, well, I'm sure I did. I mean... There's lots of beautiful people, but it doesn't mean you're attracted to all of them. Um, so for me, I just was friends with her. Mm -hmm. I just thought she was really cool. We got along really well. I appreciated her feistiness and <laughs> she was just funny and interesting. So it, it kind of took a while before I went, oh yeah, no, I'm, okay. I really like this woman a lot. Wow. Yeah. Do you know, is there, is there a moment? Is there something she did or is it? Just, you know, I'm was, putting yeah, on the spot here. Yeah, no, I think one thing that happened was, this is interesting. I don't know what, I know, I think I know what this says about me. Um, she cried one day. So Cameron is this lion of a woman, powerful, good, beautiful, feminine, all the good things. Uh, but this one day I saw her tearing up over something and there was something about that vulnerability mm. in her. As soon as I saw her, I'm like, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So, and then we still weren't sure. I was discerning the priesthood. She was open to religious yeah. life. You're like me, I was discerning the priesthood too. Uh, yeah. Soon coming back to the faith. Yeah. Uh, you have to. Ex you I recommend it. anyone. Who, I mean, you've got to explore. If you're single, 
Yeah. Look at the religious life first. You, you can try the religious life. You can't try marriage out. <laughs> so you've got to get right. that right. Yeah. So you can go to the seminary. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. You can go to a convent and yeah. pray and discern, but you can't sort of go get married no. and then say, this is not for me. And, you know, we flip it around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Did, so, yeah. Texas. Texas. You were living in Texas. So I moved to Texas. I was did living... you have a job then? Or I, I, how did a, you... I have a very crazy life. I've moved a lot. It's going to okay. get complicated. People are going to need a white board I know, we're working this out. <laughs> because Born before Texas, Sydney. I was living in Brisbane with the Bennetts, Shane Bennett and Chanel awesome. Bennett. Oh, wow, yeah. Good men. <laughs> friends up there um, who founded still Australia. Going. So are they still in, they're still involved in that. I, I think in some capacity. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, Nets going strength to strength. I mean, I think... Uh, Mark up there at Lyside, big shout out to Net and good guys up there doing yeah. great work. Still going. Um, so, <laughs> wow, so out of West Sydney, oh, Adelaide, yeah. or Purina, <laughs> uh, where are we, Canada? No, uh, Ireland. Canada, 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 then Ireland. Ireland, Brisbane. Te Brisbane, then Texas. Texas. At six. And then we got married in August Texas. of 2006. Yeah, that's right, the same time as. Me, you were five weeks after me. There you so go. I was July 1, 06. Nice job. You and won. Uh, yeah, there you <laughs> go. Can't job. forget it. <laughs> and then we moved to Ireland for three years where we established wow. the Net Ministries office there. Okay. So it's been a ride. So that was your, I guess, your living then. So you were, we were getting a salary that you could survive? Yes. Uh, okay. was, we were working for a parish. Okay. And while we were being paid by that parish, it was certainly not a lot of money. Uh, we started helping somebody, Sheila Trainer, her name was, wonderful woman. Sheila is office. a woman. Sheila, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sheila is a Sheila whose name is Sheila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So three years back in Ireland. What's Ireland like? Just to help people understand. We, you know, we think of Ireland, St. Patrick, it's Catholic Ireland, but it has become fairly secular, very... Um, I would say would extremely say? spiritually third world and secular. Okay. Okay. Absolutely beautiful country yeah. and tremendous pockets of hope, I would say, scattered right. throughout the country where there really are men and women who love Jesus Christ. They know that the Catholic story is infinitely more interesting than the secular one. And I think with God's grace, it'll win out again okay. in that poor country. But I'd say it's hurting terribly right yeah. now. But good people that I met... Um, we're yeah. praying for Ireland, absolutely. Yeah. Um, St. Patrick, please intercede. We, we can't lose Ireland. <laughs> I think we've lost uh, Ireland. Well, we need it back. I think we've lost Ireland, but I think... Catholic but, Ireland. But one thing Christianity teaches us is that dead things can come back to life. Amen. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Well, then what... So you're now like what? Uh, I'm working it out now. 23 <laughs> to 26 years Something old. Something like that. <laughs> and it's 06 to 09 yeah. in that range. And then you come back to the States. So how much do you want to know? I don't want to bore you. Oh, no, that's all right. I'm, I'm following the, I'm following it. We're going to... So while we were living in Ireland, we had, uh, I felt very called to speak out against pornography. Okay. So that's when it happened in Ireland. Okay. Yeah, I experienced some serious kind of healing in that area in my own life and wanted to start speaking out about it. Felt very convicted. Very, very, very convicted. So did some work over there in that area. Um, and then I had two options. I was asked to come back to the Diocese of Piri and they said, we're open to you, you know, doing a youth minister position back here. Yeah. Um, or I could have went to Canada and literally live beneath the poverty line, uh, according to Ottawa standards. Uh, and we, we chose that one. 
And we chose that one because we really believed that the Lord wanted to do something in this area of anti-pornography stuff that was just beginning. And I wasn't sure that I could make that fly in Australia at the time. For okay. whatever reason, I just didn't wow. feel like it would. I could just go home and expect that I could wow. fly places and write books. And yeah. Maybe I could have, but I didn't. I wasn't sure. So, you were you were, as a minister. You weren't desiring. Were you? Was it a, a calling? I guess to see yourself going out. What were you doing? Going to parishes, talking about um, we the did all of sorts of creative things. So in Ireland, we hired the jazz club oh, yeah. out, and I flew an ex porn performer from LA wow. <laughs> to Ireland, and I interviewed her about her experience, mm. and we advertised it to people in a way where they couldn't tell if we were for or against it. We just <laughs> said something like an ex porn performer tells her story, and um, she's a Christian. Uh, God bless her. And so, you know, we tried to be creative in how we expose the reality behind the fantasy of pornography. So that was one way we yeah. did it. And then when I, you know, moved to Ottawa, I interviewed an ex-Playboy producer in a punk bar. Um, oh, yeah. And then I was just invited to speak on the topic. And then Catholic Answers invited me to come and work for them during that time. And that's when we moved to San Diego. Okay. Was that, a, uh, that would have been after 09, right? I'm working it out, 2010, <laughs> you really, 2011, You really need some serious fancy edits That's right. here. This is 2012, I think it was. 12, okay. 11, yeah. yeah, it's great. Because I, uh, I remember uh, in 09, we had Tim Staples come from Catholic Answers. Yeah. That was our first. And that was really the launch of Perusia in Australia awesome. uh, in a big way. We, we, we were existing beforehand. But, and he, he really, I mean, apologetics just took off. Really? Um, we had 6,000 people. I, I would put it down. Tim Staples pioneered... That first, it was a Sydney tour. We had 16 um, talks in six days, 6,000 people. It was oh just, he goodness. set it off. Um, it was post World Youth Day. Set a fire. There. I think so. Wow. We're, we're seeing vocations, both uh, oh. religious and, and diocesan and priests. We're seeing uh, ministries that were born out of it, people inspired, people coming back. Um, so I, I, I'll never forget 09. Um, and then 2010, we, we were, I was full-time teaching, doing it in the holidays. And then oh. 2010 coming, um, Father Packwer and others. So that, that was it. But I remember then Tim, when he became Director of Apologetics and seeing how he was employing you, you were there. We had Leah Darrow come and, yeah. and it was a beautiful time, 2012. So she came as a Catholic answer speaker. Yeah, so her and, and I got hired at the same time. Yeah, wow. Leah wow. and myself. What a story. And Tim was my direct supervisor at Catholic Answers. <laughs> and I remember when I first met Tim, I thought this guy must be fake. No one is this happy all the time. And but it turns he out he is that happy he all is. the time. Yeah. <laughs> and sharp as a tech and just brilliant. And so it doesn't surprise me that he was able to light yeah. a fire. He's a very gifted fella and a very faithful fella. That's one of the greatest joys in doing ministry is when I meet people like Tim who just really love Jesus yeah, Christ. That's exactly right. You see you him going to, to daily him. mass at Catholic Answers. Yes. You, you see him, you him. know, and not in a kind of like, you know, artificial, pious sort of way. You know, I mean, we all struggle with stuff, I know, but just a sincere, a lot of sincere good people out there. Him, him, Valerie, and the family. Yeah, just Valerie's beautiful. a powerhouse. Um, <laughs> now, that's 2012. You moved to San Diego? Yeah. With Cameron. And the two, Any and children? Yeah. yeah. So, two kids at the time, both born kids. in Ireland. But all oh, right, two Irish kids. Yeah. All right, an Aussie and an American have two Aussie, as two kids in Ireland. Fantastic. Living in Canada. Living in Canada. <laughs> Moving to San Diego. Okay, so now we're catching we're catching up here. And um, now, how were you doing stuff for Catholic Answers on the topic of the problems of pornography? Was that right? Pretty much the main part of your ministry there. Yeah. So 
what happened was there was a donor who came to Catholic Answers and okay. said, we love what Jason is doing. Yes. Everett. And who would, Amazing. That guy's unreal. We would like to give a donation for you to do more with this chastity work. So they hired me and Leah specifically hmm. to do chastity related work. Okay. So I was still studying apologetics, you know, writing um, in that area, but I started speaking on pornography. And what's funny is in the beginning, no one wanted to talk on pornography. Uh, if you were like, hey, can I give a talk to your high school students on pornography? They'd be like, oh, no, gosh, definitely yeah, not. Thank God. They're like, you're, no, you're the cheaper Jason Everett. Just give a, you know, subpar chastity talk, maybe mention <laughs> pornography. But what was really eye-opening, and I don't know, it was interesting to be part of this, is I got to see within a year or two, Every, like people were banging on the door asking for pornography talks. Not because of me, but because of the problems they were seeing in the school yeah. and they, everyone finally realized we have to address this. Amen. So at that Can point- Can we touch on this now? Just a little yeah. bit about pornography because it's something, uh, yeah, we, you know, people don't want to admit, don't talk. I understand you can correct me if I'm wrong and in your studies, you've got a couple of books and people can see behind me, um, The Porn Myth and Restore, uh, Delivered, uh, uh, Forged with Jason, but you've done yeah. quite a bit in this in this space. Um, all available on ProusiaMedia.com now, which is great. Excellent, yeah. Um, but Thank you. What you know? Is it true? And you can clarify with your studies. Pornography makes more money than all the sporting industries put together. Is that true? I've, I've heard I've that. I've heard that. I've never looked into it. I'm always uh, wary of citing things I've heard. Okay. But it certainly wouldn't surprise me at all. And. and I mean, that's alarming. So, and, and we understand, I mean, first thing growing, I remember growing up in the 80s and 90s and it, it was all about, you know, as far as pornography, there's, there's magazines, um, Playboy was a big um, name. Less of that now, and now it's, it's, it's sort of, have you seen a transition and, uh, you know, internet has, has sort of made it available. And now social media is just becoming almost like, you know, we have a term soft porn, but really, what's going on now everyone and anyone is just just posing in ways on social media they say it's that big. yeah they say with the advent of the internet pornography became the three a's affordable mm -hmm. anonymous and accessible in a way that it had never been before and with Feels that affordability accessibility and anonymity it skyrocketed and so yeah i think what we once called hardcore porn we now just call whatever hulu is pumping out or netflix is pumping out mm. so in, in, in some ways, you're seeing some companies trying to m mitigate exposure to pornography. Like I think Google has done some things to kind of curb uh, uh, pornography exposure and to their credit. And yet a lot of this pornography is just in every single show that people yeah. decide is okay to watch now. That's right. So. Problems. Um, yeah. Can we just, uh, so it is a big problem. It's a global problem. All ages. I mean, what can we say? Just a, a bit of a snapshot. Yeah, people I don't know. I'd say most people probably get exposed to porn around. They say around the age between ten and twelve. Okay. I think that we should talk to children from the age of six about pornography because why? How, how would you do that? Yeah, it's a good question because as soon as I say that, yeah. people are going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me say why I say six. It's usually at the age of six that a child has access to a screen of some sort. Now I'm an advocate of delaying screens for as long as possible, but Me too. maybe at your grandparents' house. You know, it's interesting. A lot of grand our grandparents, maybe not yours, but mm. they they just seem kind of clueless. They just let the kids play on the iPad, not knowing mm -hmm. that in a few clicks they could see some horrible things. 
Um, not all grandparents, but some. Uh, or they might be seeing, uh, using a screen at school or at a friend's house. So screens access pornography. Or that's how people encounter pornography today. So that's why I say six is a good time to talk about pornography. Now, how might you do that? Because we don't want to scandalize our children, and we shouldn't, and it would be wrong for us to. But we can't get away from the fact that all these things are piquing their curiosity, that we want to get out ahead of the exposure. So I think we can talk to our kids about this in a way that, that does guard their innocence. And here's what I might say. Mm -hmm. I might say, let's say we'll use the name John. Let's say John Six, you know, and... You might say, John, you know how there are good pictures? And he'll say, what do you mean? You say, well, you know, like maybe comics or the photographs of the family. And he might suggest a few as well. Yeah, yeah, these are good pictures. Well, there are also bad pictures. And some of these bad pictures are called pornography. Now, we have this weird idea as adults. Like we think that just by saying the word, we're going to somehow pump into their brain what comes up in ours. Mm. But if they haven't been exposed to it, pornography is just a word. You don't have mm -hmm. to be afraid of using a word. You say, well, pornography is pictures of videos of people showing parts of their body that their bathing suit should cover. And if you ever see that or if somebody ever shows it to you, I want you to tell me or mum, mm. you wouldn't be in trouble. We love you and um, we, we just want to help you because this can really hurt and does hurt people's brains and their mm. hearts mm. and it can make them sick and, uh, you know, John might say, well, if, it's, if it hurts them, why would people look at it? And I take this analogy from a book I read called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Uh, you might say, well, apparently mouse and rat poison is primarily food with just enough poison to kill them. So the mouse really likes the, or the rat really likes the rat poison. Just because something's exciting doesn't mean it can't hurt us. And so pornography can be exciting, but it really damages us. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah, okay. parts of their body that their bathing suit should cover is not a scandalous thing to say to somebody. And, and uh, yeah, so I think that's what I would say. Yeah, start there. A lot there. more to say. But and I, in my book, The Porn Myth, I've got chapters where I kind of discuss how parents can do this. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, now, you, this is so I encourage people to get those books because you've done a lot of research, a lot of study. And you were known as the, you know, the porn, porn guy. guy yeah. But, uh, I mean. Happy to <laughs> be the porn guy. <laughs> But do you, uh, I mean, that's not what you're doing these days, as it's not sort of most right. of your time spent when people know you now in Pints with Aquinas. But can I just very quickly join the dots? So Catholic Answers, you leave in 2013? Golly, 2014, 15, 15 even? I actually started, so you were there for a couple of years? I was there for about three years. Three years, okay. And then I basically, after I left them, I continued to do what I was doing, namely travel and speak about pornography, but I was yeah. working with Covenant Eyes for a little bit oh, then. Oh, yeah. yeah they're, great. they're still going. That's a wonderful software work. company. Yeah. Okay. I want to throw out now while we're on the topic of pornography, I've put together a 21-day detox from pornography course called wow. strive21.com, strive21.com. We've had over 40,000 men go through the course at this point. It's free, 100% wow. free. Uh, and then every day you get a three to five minute video from me just sort of guiding you along in this 21 day journey. That's amazing. So they might, fellas might like that. And yeah. then if there's any shit ladies looking at pornography, uh, uh, Magdala Ministries is a great group that okay. helps women who are... Just one thing, I, 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 I strongly think, I don't know if the studies have shown this, but uh, pornography, it's sort of... Um, you know, it's hitting the pleasures. Does that affect other areas of your life? So, oh my gosh, you know, yes. I mean, we're talking uh, not just not just in areas of sexuality, though. In exactly. areas of, 
the way we um, eat and recreate and consume uh, yes. things and um, entertainment and the way we hold ourselves and the way we our lack of control in certain areas. I mean, is there any? Do you, do you go into that? Do people? Yes, I go tell into us that how so in um, a big way in the book. Okay, porn myth. Yeah, the porn, porn myth. myth. Okay. So um, one kind of. Dope, well, we're hearing a lot more about dopamine these days. Yeah. What is that? Dopamine is a brain drug um, or a neurotransmitter which incentivizes us to perform actions that are conducive to our survival. Mm. So in addition to its role in body movement, so if you know someone with Parkinson's disease, if they're taking a drug, they're taking a derivative of dopamine which helps their body move again. But in addition to that, it plays a key role in the pleasure reward centers of the brain. So without it, we wouldn't be as incentivized to win a game or eat a hamburger or have sex, you know. Hmm. Um, but it's the overuse of this dopamine system that causes addiction, uh, neuroscientists have said. And here's an analogy that I've heard that I think is really good. Imagine you're on the phone with somebody and you're chatting with them and they start yelling. Well, if they did that, you might take the phone away from your ear as long as they're yelling, you can still hear them. If they start to speak normally, you won't unless you bring the re receiver, <laughs> the yes. phone back up to your ear. So <clears throat> the analogy is this. When we look at pornography, it's as if our brain is being shouted at by dopamine. And if you do this with any regularity, a downgrading occurs in the brain. And so when you shut the laptop lid or put the phone away and go out in regular life, it's like this. It's like, I can't hear. Wow. So those things that used to bring me comfort and meaning and joy, mm. they don't do it for me anymore. And that's why, I mean, this is a common experience of young men and women too. They feel the need to retreat back into their room, back into their private life so they can get another shout of dopamine. That's so yeah, it absolutely affects multiple areas of our life. And you're right, not just in regards to sexuality. Certainly pornography can lead to things like erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, the inability to climax with, with women mm. who are hooked up with, all of that's true. Um, and sad and very prevalent, like way more prevalent than I think a lot of people think. I, I've given talks where there's been medical doctors in the audience and they, they have a light bulb moment where they finally realize why well, these teenage boys are coming to them for Viagra. But of course, wow. sometimes the Viagra doesn't work because the problem isn't a matter of blood flow, is it right? So mm. the problem isn't below the belt, it's between the ears. Interesting. Can you imagine what a terrible thing that would be to be a husband and you can't love your wife well? Oh, or, I mean, in multiple respects. Absolutely. So it's tragic. I think it just makes people boring um, and uninteresting and their lives become increasingly sepia-toned and narrow and just ghastly and boring. Um, which is why I think more and more people have begun speaking up against pornography, thank God. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God. But I would say, like, I, I know I always, you always run the risk of whatever when you're trying to promote your own book, but I'm going to do it. So the porn myth, 100% of the royalties go to help sex traffic victims in San Diego. I've never made a cent from the book, from royalties. Uh, they gave me an initial um, down payment to, to write the book. But after that, all the money, whether they get it on Audible, ebook, whatever, it all goes to help this group called uh, Children of the Immaculate Heart in San Diego. Wow. So I, I just put that out there because what I'm about to say is get the book, but it's not so I can make money necessarily. Um, but I did a lot of study and there's about, I don't know, 40 or 50 pages of 
it's really well researched okay. and it's a non-religious book. I don't Anyone talk about Christ or the church. There's no scripture. Not because I don't think that's the most powerful argument. I, I, I think there's, it's good to have religious arguments, but I just wanted to write a book where you could give it to a non-believer. Yeah. Yeah. And this was driven home to me. Recently, I was in Minnesota at a coffee shop and I see this girl who, I don't know, she's got blue hair and ripped jeans and an anime shirt and I'm looking at her and she's reading my book. <laughs> and it turned out that that was just part of the, I don't know, the book they had to read for their, whatever their health class was. Wow. And, and it was a secular school. It oh. would never have gotten in there if it was a religious Very book. Very true. You know? so, uh, who published that, Ignatius mm -hmm. Press? Great job. Yeah, so Ignatius Press was shout out there. We'll put links. Those in America, please get the book. Amazon will be all over the place. Yeah. So, okay, we'll make sure there's all these links. Sure. Do you have all your books on your website? Like, are there links to... <sighs> Not really. No? It's kind of, about it's doing kind of lazy of me because I guess, I, I, I mean, it's all on Amazon. You've done uh, quite a few <laughs> though, more than... So how many books? Have, I mean, we've got a few here. Well... And I don't think I've got all of them. I, I've co-written some books, like with Jason. The two main books are The Porn Myth and How to Be Happy, I would okay. say. Um, I think that's it. What's Delivered and Restored about? Because you wrote those two. Yeah, see, these are, these are quite old. Delivered is just a, it's a collection of stories of men and women. Remember Audrey Assad? Yes. She's a music, so her story's in there. Yes, other fantastic. People. They write their story about how they overcame pornography. Yeah, so it's, okay. just, it's just like, I forget how many, 10 or 12 short nice. stories of women and men talking nice. about, and even a porn performer, a former stripper in there, talking wow. about how they broke free. Fantastic. And then wow. Restored is a book of stories from wives uh, talking about the kind of betrayal trauma they experienced wow. because of their husband or significant other's porn addiction. Because we realized that was something that was, really wasn't being discussed. Yeah. So. Wow, and then Forged with Jason Everett. That's another, is that a 30 day challenge? That? that is a 33 Forged. day. 33 day. Yeah. Fantastic. So the, the way that came about is I wrote a little book for Life Team. And I forget what we called it, but it was, it was a book on how to overcome pornography. And they said, we're no longer going to stock it for whatever reason. And they gave me back the rights. And so then Jason and I got together. I, so I brought what I had written and then he added all wow. of it. What a combo. But here's what's cool about Forged. When you buy the book, it tells you to text a number or text a word to a particular number. And then for those 33 days, you get videos from excellent Catholics every day speaking about the topic we address each day. So Father Jacques Philippe, Sister Miriam oh. James, Father Mike Schmitz, like oh. you're getting these videos for free wow. in Brilliant. addition to this. That's kind of neat. Praise and God. that was all Jason's doing. He's, yeah. He is such a bright guy and he's so laser focused on this topic of chastity. So yeah. that book would not exist if it weren't for him. You know, he came in 2011 under Catholic Answers. He had his signature talk. He had one or two, he had, I think, option of three talks. And we just said, can you speak on pornography? Because he, he did videos on it. And he said, look, it's not one of my talks. Um, let me pray about it. <coughs> and he, had, he actually, we, we insisted, we just want to, it was two, it was one on dating, one on pornography. And he did both. He agreed. He, he prayed in front of the Blessed Sacrament, as Jason does, <laughs> and then just yeah. comes back and says, the Lord wants this. And he prepares a brand new talk. It's called The Porn Detox. It's record, it's, he gives it for the first time in Sydney, St. Charbel's, wow. um, back in 2011. And uh, we now have it on our YouTube channel. And it's, it's helped hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and it's so important. So I, I just want to thank Jason for take, doing that. 
praying about it and now look at look at what's going on. I mean, we need to keep talking about it. And shout out to our local Aussie guy, Simon Carrington, who worked with Perusia and he's really uh, entered into this space as well and Good talking about how to break free from it. And, yeah. and some other great people around Australia are doing great it's things. It's been beautiful and encouraging for me to see young women speak about it because again i'm in this like very unique position in the human race of like seeing people demand pornography talks and like (laughs) seeing uh, i I mean i think i may it may be the case that i spoke to more people about pornography than any other human do you know what i mean like it was about seventy thousand people a year for the longest time and and that's a strange kind of thing (laughs) and but i remember i'd be speaking at colleges and I'd have like three women come up to me independently saying they wish there was something for women, but they'd yeah. whisper it. And fair enough, I understand yeah. why they, they felt that way. But the good news is we're seeing more and more women take the initiative, uh, which is really what women who are struggling need. Because yes. Audrey Assad put it well. She said, when men struggle with porn, it's like they're all in a prison cell, but at least they're together. You know, how many days yes. have you gone or how, how, how long have you been... She says, for us women, it's like we're in solitary confinement and we don't know that anybody else is struggling. Wow. So I think one of the things Audrey did and what other women are now doing is giving women a voice. Praise God. That's really God bless her. beautiful. Can we transition now? Um, your, your involvement, say St. Thomas Aquinas, you have a love for St. Thomas Aquinas and philosophy. Um, how did that come about? So, you know, you've, you've been working with Covenant Eyes, doing all these talks on pornography. But then you changed gears, and can you tell us about? Did you you started a podcast, a website? Yeah. Tell us about that transition. Um, what were you doing? Now? So I was doing my master's degree at the time in Thomistic philosophy, and could have gotten extra credit for a project like this, starting mm-hmm. a podcast. So that's why I did it. Uh, I could nay. I, I was pretty aware of the Catholic podcasts that were out there at the time. There may have been about three to wow. five that I could name. Could you name a couple just for for yeah, fun? Yes. So. Catching Foxes was one. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday podcast by Mark Hart. Uh, there oh, was wow. also Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Hmm. There, there's some I've of these stories. This was back in the day, 2015 maybe. Okay. So uh, I decided to start a podcast. And since I was doing a lot of study in Thomas Aquinas, and since I realized that he addressed almost every topic under the sun, yes. I thought, well, maybe we could do a podcast around Aquinas where we just kind of go through the summa and we kind of, that'll be fun. Nice. So that's what I did. Uh, I certainly do not consider myself an expert in Thomas Aquinas in any way, shape or form. I consider myself a studious amateur (laughs) who would like to come alongside a brilliant doctor of the church and go teach a knucklehead like me, Thomas, (laughs) would you, you know? So um, we decided, I decided to call it Pints with Aquinas because I like that phrase in vino veritas, where there is wine, there is truth. Nice. And that certainly isn't meant to be um, a downplaying of the seriousness of, of getting drunk or anything like that. But it, it is to say that people tend to let their guard down when mm. they have a beer in them, maybe. And uh, I like the idea of bringing the angelic doctor down out of the ivory tower of academia t- to mix with the riffraff like me. Absolutely. So right. make it, it accessible. Started. Yeah. So 20, end of 2015, 2016? 16, yeah, about then. Pints with Aquinas was and launched. What, it was yeah, launched, and I, I did about 12 episodes, and I, and I hadn't even advertised it once. On your own? Oh, my or, or did own. you have guests at the time? Or no, no, it was, it was just, just you? on my own. Yeah, like, are they me. still available? Yep. Can people go back and yeah, see that? they want. All oh, right. Is it and, all part of the same <coughs> yep. channel? Yep. Same, okay, all part of Pints with Aquinas. And wow. so I didn't advertise it or anything like that. But what was strange to me is I would go 
and I would stand in front of a booth and I'd talk about breaking free of pornography, right, at these yes. big college conventions and things. And I'm shocked at how many people are going, I love your podcast. I'm like, oh, oh, this is awkward because my boss is here and you're coming here to tell me about this side project, yes. which I was allowed to do. Yes. But they weren't there to talk about, you know, the books or whatever else. <laughs> it was all about Pints with Aquinas. So it just grew That's gradually. What, how often were you releasing uh, episodes? I think one a week. One a week. Yeah. Um, and, and then when did you start getting guests on? Yeah, probably Same. when I ran out of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, so we called it Pints with Aquinas. It was an audio podcast. I started asking people to come on the show to do audio interviews. After that, I tried to venture into video. Um, and it wasn't so easy back then. I had to hire a rent a studio, hire some cameramen. And I decided to call it the Matt Frad Show, very creatively named. I remember that. And I did that because I didn't want to kind of blend the two. Like I wanted Tom, Pines of the Aquinas to be just about Thomas Aquinas. Yes. But then it just was too hard to maintain two brands and develop yes. two things. It was confusing to people. And then I realized that, well, even though I'm not talking about Thomas Aquinas in my interviews all the time, we are talking about philosophy and theology and yes. Catholic stuff. So, you know what, I'm just going to kind of accordion those two things back into Pints with Aquinas. Okay. So all those Matt Frad shows are under Pints with Aquinas now, or are they branded Matt Frad show? Do you know? They are all on my YouTube, my Pints with Aquinas YouTube channel. Okay. But if you were to scroll through on the MP3s, I don't think they're there. Okay. I, I think, I'm not Interesting. sure though. I'm not sure. Have you kept up that pace once a week since then, 2016 till now? I mean, has that been, Yeah. Well, or now, did you have a time off for a while? Did you have a break of it at all? Or? No, well, the nice thing about podcasts, like, so I usually take all of August off of the internet. But the nice thing about podcasts is I could record several episodes in a week, schedule them, and then, you know what Brilliant. I mean? Yes, yes, absolutely. Were well, you doing all that on your own? Just yeah. on, still working for, were you working with Covenant Eyes at the time? So or was, no, what was your main job? Yeah, no, at this point, I, I looked at my wife and I said, I think the Lord wants me to take pints full time. And what year was that? That was about 2018 or wow. 19, about then. And I said, here's the bad news. I said, the bad news is if I quit my job right now, looking at the speaking engagement I have for the rest of the year, we will bring in about $35,000 with four children and we won't have health insurance. And she said, all right, well, let's do it. That's how I did it. And With I the remember. Blessing of the wife. <laughs> God bless that good oh. woman. She's the best. Um, there's a, some comedian, he's got this joke. He says, My wife, if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the best. Um, yeah, no, she's super courageous and she's always up for adventure. And I just felt like I cannot keep. Because at this point, I had to devote a lot more time to it. And it felt like yeah. I was now beginning to rob it from this company. Interesting. And I didn't want to do that. Was it um, gaining popularity? You're noticing yeah. it was, and you yeah. had all, uh, similar to the guests you're getting now, uh, I just wanted uh, yeah. the early years. Nothing I remember like watching Christopher today. West and Jason Everett back yeah. then, and you had some, and it was long form as well, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah. So at the time when I started doing videos, it was once a month, because okay. that's all I could afford, because I had to hire the studio. Yes. But, but. Um, and this was, you were not in student, where were you at the time? You were in what city? Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Atlanta, Georgia, okay. People were coming This is in. really fun, Charbel. I thank you I'm for glad. being interested yeah. because it enables me to yeah. go back down memory lane. No, I think people will appreciate this because, uh, you know, you're the one interviewing so many different people. 
and it's time to get behind the man behind, you know, <laughs> pints. And it's, it's, it's great. It's encouraging and I'm hoping it's inspiring for people because so, you're a real down-to-earth guy. <laughs> it's good for people to know. Well, good. They're, they're actually, so once I quit my job, I then recorded a podcast where I told people, I just quit my job. If you would now like to start supporting me, this would be a great time. You know, obviously it would have been underhanded to ask people to support me, see if it worked out, then quit my job. That would have yeah, been unfair. Yeah. So I quit my job, then made the announcement and we prayed. And people wow. were so kind. They just stepped forward and said, I'm happy to give you 10 bucks a month. And, wow. and so things started to build. We were able to get more equipment. I mean, long story short, we moved to Steubenville. Bought, uh, what, when was that and why that, why that move? We wanted to have intentional Catholic friendship in a way that uh, we weren't experiencing it primarily due to long driving distances. You know, yeah. in Atlanta, I don't know what it's like in Sydney, but you'd have to drive 25 minutes to see a friend to go yeah. to the... Yeah, that's know. normal, yeah. Whereas now I'm in Steubenville, all my friends live on my street. <laughs> if someone lives two streets over, that's a bit too far. <laughs> so we just wanted to... We Was want, that 2019? We moved after COVID. I was after. Oh, wow. So 2020, I think we moved, or 2021. Okay. So kind of in the midst of COVID lockdowns. Wow. How, and then that's an interesting time for you to quit your job about a year and a bit before COVID. <laughs> yeah. No more speaking? Were you, were you doing anything on your so own? So here's what was weird, right? So I quit my job. We, I, I'm looking ahead. I'm, I've got about 35 to 38 grand we can make this year for our family. Not We don't have no health insurance, right? So that's a big deal in the States. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. Especially when you've got a sick wife, who I have a sick wife. She's a good woman, but we have a lot of medical Are things. we able to touch on that? I mean, just if you want, what, what, sure. what is the condition she has? She has all sorts of things. Uh, she, <clears throat> she's talked about this publicly, so yes, I'm not... it's on your show, I think. You have yeah, so I'm not divulging anything. She wouldn't want me to, but, you know, she unfortunately had to have a hysterectomy. Um, she nearly died. She had a septic infection. She was in the ICU for, I think, a couple of weeks and in oh the goodness. hospital for a month. We weren't sure if she was going to live. Oh, my goodness. And then just has a lot of things. Like she had Lyme's disease and then she had a whole, like, EDS, whatever that is, and POTS disease, which I think has to do with blood pressure. So she'll dislocate. Like, she'll, she'll kneel for the Eucharist. And this has happened more than once. Her knee dislocates while she's kneeling. Wow. <laughs> if that happened to wow. me, wow. you'd have to carry me out crying, but she just puts it back in. I guess the more you dislocate wow. something, the easier it is to put back in. So she has a lot of health issues. That's still happening until today, so this well, dislocation happened. I don't want to speak too soon here. Okay. But let's just say she's on a particular diet that seems to be beneficial. I won't say more oh, than that because okay. I'd hate to go home and realize, oh, it turns out it's not doing so well. Okay. But right okay. at this last I know, she's doing good. Can we ask people to pray? I would be very yep. honored and grateful if that. people would pray for my good wife. Yeah. She wow. suffers really well. <laughs> you know, like yeah, she sure. does. She just suffers well. Sometimes people see her and like, well, she seems fine. And sometimes she is fine. But then there are days where she was just on the couch. She can't move and her, all of her joints hurt. She said she feels like the tin man. Wow. And she just needs oil and all of her. Anyway, why did I bring that up? So, yeah, so. Uh, well, it was a difficult time. You're moving to Steubenville as well. Yeah. 20, end of 20. Uh, so that's what I was going to say. So 35, 38 grand, right? That's yeah. what you're going to make. And then my speaking engagement started to pick up. I'm like, all right, this is good. This is good. We can start to, you know, pay for things and pay the mortgage and all okay. that. This yeah. is on your own. You had a, a website yeah, at the with time. Pints, you know? Yeah, great. And then COVID hit and then all of my speaking engagements got cancelled. But it was during that time we decided to invest in a marketing firm anyway. And it turned, even though we were afraid because we had no money left, 
and it turned out to be the best time we could have possibly invested in online marketing because that's when everyone went online. And I would say at that point, pints began to take off more, probably exacerbated by COVID lockdowns. Yeah, praise God, the timing, um, you were there to, to really do that. And we, I remember watching it right through uh, COVID and that's really appreciated and all the guests you had. And, yeah. and I actually loved a lot of, what's interesting is that you sort of, um, Reminded people, at the time, I think, uh, I remember a few, few years ago, all the online marketing would say, social media, people have a short attention span and you need to have just short clips because people can't retain it. But that was, you, you <coughs> broke through all that and you said, oh, three hours, five hours, <laughs> and people watched them. Yeah. And, and, the, and I imagine it would be interesting to know your watch time statistics, but oh. people were appreciating the long form. Let's do and, it. Okay, like, it's <laughs> going to find out. It's wild. So watch time. But I will say though, I stole Joe Rogan's idea. This is not my. So you brilliance. inspired by Joe Rogan? Can we well, say that? Well, I mean, I inspired by him in the sense that he did long form discussions, and I just loved the idea. I right, said, so check this out. In the last twenty eight days, people have watched Pints with Aquinas collectively for one point five million hours. One point five million hours in twenty eight days. Yep, and we've had four point one million views. Isn't that wild? Yeah, just in 28 days. Yeah, in 28 days. Praise God. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it certainly wasn't an original idea. I saw Joe Rogan doing it, and I thought, yeah, I love that idea. Just, And what, part of the reason I liked it is it's less effort. We're not trying, you know, like You're before... You're not trying to fit in yeah, a certain time. Before podcasts, you know, if you'd go on the news or if you'd go on Catholic Answers or EWTN, you had your stock answer yeah. to a question you were sh kind of sure you were going to get. Be that about contraception or praying to Mary, mm -hmm. and you know people's stock answers tended to be really good because they'd crafted it really well. Yes. What I liked about doing pints with Aquinas with these guests was I was trying to break them out of that kind of and just let us talk like humans over a beer. Yes. Just talk. Um, and that comes across. I mean, you, you do a great job of that. Uh, I, I mean, you did that with me and and just with so many guests uh, that you make them feel at home and you know. I, I can say off on camera what happens off camera, <laughs> but the way you offer hospitality, you know, we, you, you can either have a whiskey or a or a oh, coffee yeah. or a, or some chocolate or we, and uh, or a cigar if you choose. And it was just uh, it just felt like home being there, and, and you, it was relaxing. Yeah. And I remember I like how you you sort of before you press record, we don't do too much chit chat. We let it all happen naturally on camera, and you deliberately yeah. wanted that because it needs to yeah. be natural. Yeah, was, I like that. It was that. great. Don't you think, I think that, you know, why is it that people often, not all, not always, but why is it that people might say, you know, I'd rather listen to a conversation than an audio book? Yeah. Which is interesting, right? Because you think, well, surely you'd rather listen to an audio book. This has been thought out, well-written, crystallized thoughts. It's gone through an editor. And of course, many times people would, would prefer to listen mm. to an audio book. But there's a joy from conversational podcasts that you don't get in an audio book. And for me, it's seeing people think and process things in real time. Yes. And yes. you know they're not doing it as good as they wish they did, you know? You know that sometimes they'd probably rephrase that differently <laughs> if they could do it again. But that's that's all part of the, I don't know, it's uh, it's more natural. Uh, so for me, that's Absolutely. more enjoyable. Amen. Seeing people wrestle with ideas and... Did, when did you go to live? Because you uh, weren't doing live all the time, were you? Or was it... Was it, you had pre-records at the start. Yeah, when think, did you switch to live? I think we switched to live when I moved to Steubenville. Okay. Now, does that still happen? So you still do, or you've got, you got a <coughs> mixture of both, I notice. 
A bit of a hybrid? Yes. This is a big story. Oh. I might tell you about it later because I don't okay. want to bore everybody. But essentially, I'm going to be teaching in Austria in the spring. Okay. Uh, I'm going to teach a philosophy at Franciscan Fantastic. School in Austria. My whole family's moving there in January for five months. Wow. So currently what I'm doing is I'm banking episodes, you see. Wow. So I'll go home and I'll do five or six long-form interviews in five days. And we're scheduling them out so that when I go to Austria, we'll still have one coming out every week. Wow. And then I might go to Rome and do a few interviews there and put them in the... Phenomenal. Okay. But, uh, and the, well, the, the other that's th a long time to bank up. It is. The, the other nice thing about recording episodes ahead of time is it enables my very excellent uh, video editor, Thursday, we call him. Yes. That's his nickname. He's just terrific. So, so that's not his real name? Not his real name. So, okay. He, it's good to know. He's been involved in activities in the past that he has since repented of. And he does not wish his real name to be okay. out there. Uh, I'm okay, sure you can find enough. it if you were interested enough. But a <clears throat> really great guy, really just so smart. And uh, I would never say that to his face, okay. um, but just behind his back. Um, and he so what so recording them and then releasing them later enables him to kind of edit them. So he'll put yeah. these when we'll talk about a particular historical figure or a book, he'll like overlay it yeah. throughout, which makes it a little bit more dynamic. Fantastic, fantastic. I love what you also do is that you take clips yeah. from the long form and then they become videos in their own right. Yeah, and sometimes and they'll take popular. off. Yeah, yeah. So, for example, we, you know, I interviewed George Farmer, who's a friend of mine. That's, uh, he's married to Candace Owens, eh? Yes. And so I interviewed... Is that the longest on record? <coughs> is that your no. longest? No. Someone we, beat that? Someone beat it. Seamus Coughlin, who runs the site Freedom Tunes. Oh. We intentionally, we went for about three hours and we were tired. And we are like, you know, we've got to beat George. I think it was five hours and 28 minutes with... So George wasn't uh, five? I think George was about Close, five, yeah. but we beat him by In that. your cigar lounge? In my cigar lounge. That was a pretty cool show. Yeah, but this, so my point though was just the clip um, of him talking about when he got married to Candace, that, that's, yeah. that's got 1.7 million views, wow. which is- Is that the most viewed video? So that's the most viewed video. Can we do this now while you've got that open, <laughs> some stats? Because sure. yeah. I, I did summary, I know that your long form, The Shroud, Oh my goodness. 1.7 million. Okay, um, well maybe this has what, is, what is your most popular video? We're I, gonna hear it here as of uh, let's the recording. See. All right, most let's popular see. Pints with Aquinas. Pints. I think you just go to your channel, click popular, and it should sort it out from the most popular. You would think, but it's still catching up. I would say that is, yeah. The show. So the that show. was, let's see. That's fascinating. That was a three hour and seven minute episode. Miguel, can we put a link to that show as well? It's called New Evidence for the Shroud of Turin. It's had 1.7 million views. Well, I'm just <clears> fascinated <throat> because that topic is an interesting one. We've also found that in, every time we mention Shroud. Interesting. So there's, there's a huge movement of people wanting to learn more about the Shroud. Have you had uh, Father Spitzer on? I've I would that. love to have He's Spitzer on. He's the man. You've got to get him. On. I do want to have him on. Yeah. He actually asked to be on and I Excellent. said yes, but I said I'll be in Austria. We're gonna have a guest host who's gonna be doing some things. Oh, wow. I'll, wow. I'll tell you that off camera. Okay, okay. But uh, he wanted to wait till I was back in the studio to do it. Wow, wow. <laughs> well, I mean, he's brilliant. But um, this shroud is just fascinating, this <coughs> this relic we have till today about the life. I, I can't wait till 25. artifact in human history. You cannot re uh, studied, recreate it. Yeah. Wow, and then, uh, and so Candace Olds' husband would be probably up there. So I the shroud the and then his oh. clip with how he met her. Yeah. Wow. Well, is Candace uh, getting, uh, is she, she's, is she open to becoming Catholic? Where, where is she at? Is her well, is it, can I, we say this on camera? Well, I wouldn't want to speak for her, but I, I, 
I think what she has made public, at least, is that she reads scripture with George. Beautiful. Um, she certainly has gone to Mass a few times with George. Um, that God and Christ are a big part of her life in a way that they weren't when okay. she was younger. So, Have you invited her to come on Pints? <clears throat> I have not. No. Not yes. because I... I mean, I'm open to that happening. I'm sure she has other things to do too. <laughs> She's a lightning rod, isn't she? Amazing. Uh, a good voice um, out there. Um, yeah, just thank you for doing that. Pines with the Quiets, the amount of people that uh, say they've been moved, the amount of conversions that are happening, Protestants just stumbling across your show out of curiosity and then just your approach, um, non-judgmental. You always, you go where people are, I guess, are scared to go. And, and sometimes we, we sort of, sit in camps and we pick it's very polarizing still unfortunately where you pick are you for or against trump are you for or against pope francis are you for or against the democrats the republicans it's it's like we have to box people and if they're for something i don't like then i don't want to speak to them for the rest of my life yeah. i don't want anything to do with them and so that that's really caused this rift and, and satan of course is behind all this but you've done something where you've pierced through all that. I don't. Do you and think? I don't know. I think you've done it in a, in, a, in a great way where you've you've had all sorts of people on there. Now, some might think uh, <laughs> they're probably still caught up in, in their way of thinking, that they probably disagree with what I'm saying. But but I think you've got such a variety on, on your show. And, and you want to also be as loyal as you can and authentic as you can to, to your faith. So it's important. But, yeah, I just love how you went went to places where people weren't willing to go, especially within the Catholic Church. Okay. We try to st stick to the ultra safe place or um, yeah, or our own flavor of spirituality, whatever mm. that is. And so thank you, <laughs> sure. keep going. Yeah, thanks a um, lot. I'm holding in my hands just a couple of books which I'm excited to announce on, on this recording. You haven't seen this, but the first time you've seen, for the first time, now available in Australia, thanks to Enroute, um, does God exist? You, Matt Frad and Robert Delfino, or Delfino. I, I got to tell people about this, can I? Can Please. I tell people about this? Please book? do. What is this about? So, I wanted to write a Socratic dialogue. So, if people ever read the dialogues of Plato, it's a sort of back and forth between Socrates and some interlocutor where they discuss a particular virtue or something. I love that idea, and so I had. Uh, a Catholic and an atheist meet in a coffee shop. And over the course of about seven days, they go back and forth about arguments for atheism and arguments for Catholicism. And you were with them? You were, you were there alongside them? Well, it's written, for example, like AJ says this, then okay. Lucy. So it's, it's written as a fictitious dialogue. Oh, okay. okay you know? yep. So it's, I hope it's kind of fun. So I, I wrote this book. I gave it to en route to publish. Uh, and, and they were about to publish it. And I said, well, hang on, we should really have this check because I'm certainly yeah. no expert in Aquinas' five ways. I, I know some things, but not a lot. Or I'm, I don't know what I don't know, you know, yeah. which is the dangerous thing not to know. Yeah. And so, so they passed it over to this philosopher, Dr. Robert Delfino, who teaches at St. John's University in New York City. And he was so charitable. He looked through the manuscript and he said, you, you've got this wrong and you should add this. And so he added a few things here and there. I'm like, oh, that's excellent. And then he's like, well, actually, we, you really should. And I'm like, what if we write it together? So then he inserted things that just really made it philosophically rigorous in oh, a way wow. that I couldn't have. Fantastic. So it now Dr. Peter Crave, Dr. Ed Fazer both gave it glowing reviews. So when I'm did really that come out? That book. Um, Gee, that's a good it, question. It, how long ago did you do that? Two, maybe about five years ago or okay. so. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, wow. 
So it's it's out now in Australia, available now, Australia, New Zealand, this part of the world. Thank you. We print it locally now, and uh, it's available much and, more. And I'm going to give I'm going to give the ending away. The atheist doesn't become a Christian at the end. Okay. I didn't want it to be this trite little knock them over, drag them out kind of back and forth. I really wanted to do the best I could to present the atheist arguments and objections as best as I could. Now I'm sure if there's an atheist watching who reads this, he'll think you didn't give us a fair shake, and maybe I didn't because the point was to prove my point, yeah. you know. So, but, so I think it's a realistic dialogue and I hope people will enjoy it. Yeah. Thank you for running. Yeah. You also contributed to the booklet Atheism with Catholic Answers. Yeah, I wrote that. That's why we've got that. That's a great, great one. Yeah. We'll have links here and we'll have the international links too. So we're going to have both. Um, and then this one, How to Be Happy, uh, Emmaus Road uh, published this. Uh, <laughs> when did you do this? This is a great book. This is, I, I wrote this book, gave it to Ignatius Press, because that we're under contract. Yes. And they wrote back and went, listen, there, there's a lot we need you to change. And I said, well, I'm just, I'm not going to. I'm tired <laughs> and I've got a lot going on and I just can't do it. And they, they said, well, all right, we'll just, we're not going to print it, so fine. Which is fair enough. I'm, yeah. not, not, I'm not knocking them, you understand? No, it's just, they, they it's got, an exhausting to, thing yeah. to write a book. And I thought this was good. And they, they said, well, a lot more needs to be added. So then I, I'm good friends with Dr. Scott Hahn. And so I said, do you want it? And he looked through it, he gave it to a, a Dominican and they really liked it and said, we'll print it. Um, the best part of this book though, this, this book's called How to Be Happy. Have you read the dedication? No, remind me. This is the best part of the book. Please. Ready? To my very good wife, Cameron, who upon learning during one of my rather dramatic, melancholic, moody spells <laughs> that I had written a book entitled How to Be Happy said, wow, you should read that. That's the best part of the book. Never would have guessed you were melancholic. Oh, very. I think Unbelievable. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, wow. So, again, that's available. And thanks. Scott Hahn, he's done the forward as well. Yeah. Um, and it's great. He's been on your show multiple times. God only knows the impact that man has had on the church. I know. Um, what is oh, it? 40 oh years? Is it almost, almost, what is he, 35, 36? I'm trying to work it out now. Um, almost 40 years. Almost 40 years. As a, Many people um, tell me. But they, the impact that has book, had. Rome Sweet Home, was really the gateway. That that book, uh, the testimony, the Protestant minister yeah. becomes Catholic, and then the amount of Protestant ministers that have in, in fact become Catholic on the back of hearing yeah. his testimony, it was something I needed back when I was, you know, on that on the Islamic side. And uh, I remember when I came back to the faith, he was one of the first voices I needed to hear, like the Trinity and Covenant and all that. Um, just brilliant and. And, and he's still going stronger than ever, and he's releasing books, you know, multiple books a year, and just doing wonderful work. And now the Emmaus Road uh, Academy doing great work. Yeah, and they really are. God. And they've, yeah. they've, they've built a new St. Paul Center in Subinville, Ohio. Is that done now? Is that complete? I think it's complete. Wow. Yeah, I think. Have you seen it? You, you... I haven't been inside, uh, but I know that they're about to move into the offices, maybe Fantastic. now. I don't know. Wow. It's, it's really quite beautiful. Wow, wow. Because I remember the offices inside the campus. And now this is outside the campus, right? Just that's out. right. Yeah, and okay. I'll say this about Scott. I mean, just loves Jesus. So he's at Holy Mass every day on campus with his wife, 12, 12 p.m. Wow. If you want to know where Scott is, that's where he is. And uh, just have a beautiful marriage, you know, like it's yes. nice. I, I, you, you'll notice them after Eucharist or at the end of Mass. You know, they'll just be praying together, not in a showy yeah. way, not trying to draw attention to themselves, but just, you know, a prayerful couple who's very honest about their own struggles. And they're just terrific. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, I guess Steubenville quickly. What, what's how's it been? Uh, what's it like living in Steubenville? And I would and venture to guess that since we moved there three years ago, there's probably been another hundred families that have moved. Wow. That would be my guess. I don't think that would be hyperbolic. Wow. And that's because partly we keep talking about it on Pints with Aquinas yeah. and the community that we're building there. Also, New Polity, friends of mine, they have oh, a podcast great. where they're talking about it. So it's basically this cheap, rundown place where you can buy a house where, you know, your wife can stay at home with the children and she, you both don't need to work because you can buy a house for the price of a expensive VCR. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So it is a rundown town, but it's being invaded by these Catholics <laughs> and not in like a weird culty way, no. but in a way where it's just this joyful community of people amidst the poor, yeah. you know, the prostitutes, the meth heads, like this things, these things all exist in wow. my town. Um, it's organically growing and, and seeping through. And yeah. Wow. Wow. And people are buying up. You're starting businesses downtown. And you have a business, uh, uh, an, 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 another business, a cigar, a cigar lounge. Yeah. So that's open. And that's open. It's how is that going? Excellent. And I mean, what yeah, event? So as soon as I moved there, I thought, I want to start a cigar lounge. I don't know how to do that, but I want to do that. <coughs> so me and a few friends started one. It's called Chesterton and Co Cigars. Wow. 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, but Sundays. Wow. We have a, a beautiful lounge, gorgeous varnished wooden floors. We have no televisions and no electronic music on purpose. So you walk so in you there and you music? sit in silence. There's no music. No music. You just sit down and you talk to people. Imagine that. <laughs> and then occasionally we'll have people come in with a banjo yeah, or with nice. a, they'll play some music. You, you, you supply the cigars, you have a supplier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we've got a mind. wonderful general manager, Matt McClowski, who knows okay. more about cigars than I will ever know about anything. <laughs> And uh, he's just wonderful. And uh, we've got a good selection of cigars. We're actually coming up with a Pints with Aquinas cigar. Soon wow, exciting. March. Okay, It's beautiful. It's really lovely. I'll show it wow. to you. All and, right. it, and it's, when I first heard that we wanted to do something like this, I thought, oh, this better not be like a subpar, but hey, at least it's our cigar. No, it's one of the best cigars I've ever smoked. Right. And our, our general manager agrees too. He said he hasn't been that impressed with it. And I don't know why I'm talking about okay. cigars That's as much, right. but if you're ever in Steubenville, yeah. come and have a cigar. Fantastic. Yeah. And then the, the Gill? Yeah, Gill, that's a newspaper that you're distributing to. Yes, so it's called the Jill. I the think Jill, is how it's pronounced, and it's it's a it's a quarter of a pint. That's what that means. Huh. It's like a liquid measurement, right? A measurement of yeah. So basically, this is a newspaper that people who support us at mattfrad.locals.com. That's how people support our yeah. work. As soon as they become an annual supporter at mattfrad.locals.com, they get a lot of different things in return. One of them is a newspaper that we ship to their door four times a year, and. Uh, we pay for shipping, even if you're in Australia or New Zealand wow. or Antarctica, okay. there wherever. There you go. <laughs> so. Any donor around the world will get a physical paper. Yeah. The idea is you can put the phone aside, sit out on the back porch, have a cup yeah. of tea or Brilliant. whiskey and read the book, read the Fantastic. paper. Fantastic. Um, finally, finally, I just want to, I mean, it, it, you're introduced in your bio as a Byzantine Catholic. Uh-huh. So, <coughs> so you, you were brought up as a Roman Catholic. Yep. You've officially become now Byzantine or Ukrainian? Is that the same? Yeah, it's the same. Can you explain that? Well, Byzantine is sort of the umbrella of the different Eastern churches, I suppose. Why uh, did you do that? Well, when we lived in uh, Atlanta, uh, we started. For it's a long story, but I started getting introduced <laughs> to Eastern part two. Christianity. Exactly. 
And uh, we started going to a Ruthenian Byzantine church while we were there. We went for three years. The kids all received their sacraments. Wow. My beautiful son, Peter, was the two things he was eating was uh, breast milk and Eucharist. What a beautiful thing. Because that's right. Can you, can you explain that? So from baptism, uh, yes, the you more, can the receive... More, the more ancient tradition is that people were chrismated, uh, baptized, and given Eucharist as babies. Yeah. So some people will say... Uh, I think the Western argument, and I'm not saying there's nothing to this because Thomas makes this point, um, you should be able to un at least understand or basically understand what you're engaging with before you are given Eucharist. Yes. But the Eastern response to that is, well, fair enough, but I don't need my children to explain nutrition to me before I feed them. So our kids all received Eucharist and we're all chrismated is the kind of Eastern word for the mystery of confirmation. And... Uh, yeah, so we were, it was like we were very much at home there. And then when we moved to Steubenville, we started attending a Ukrainian church often. I went to Ukraine twice during the war uh, with a priest friend of mine where we offered aid and raised money to help. Uh, He's been on your show, right? Yeah, Father well, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Mar married uh, man. Yep. So, yeah, so that's another, that's a distinction in the East. The married men can be priests. That's right. Um, yeah, wow. But the bishops are not married. No, okay, good. Yeah. Um, so then I just felt called to write to my bishop and now I'm officially canonically Ukrainian Catholic. Yeah, wow. Um, you, may, you, you could be one day called to be a priest, who knows? Yes, I could, yeah. As a married man in the Ukrainian church. Is Trent Horn, he's a Byzantine Catholic too, is that He correct? was attending a Byzantine church for a while, but he's Roman Catholic. He's Roman, okay. I think they go to a local Roman parish now. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, my wife is Melkite. It's a funny story. I remember when a priest came, and we were going to the Melkite uh, liturgy, and we were carrying the kids Holy Communion, but we were baptized the Maronite, right? So they didn't have Holy Communion. So the Maronites um, confirm and baptize, but don't give Holy Communion. Okay. And he just said, are they baptized? And we said, yeah, they're baptized. And he gave them communion. No, no, no. <laughs> but they haven't had Holy Communion. Uh, but he, in his mind, he just thought baptism meant all three, Yeah. assuming that's it. Um, and it was just a funny sort of, wow, okay, so when, when, when those in the Byzantine world <laughs> say baptized, that means it's a package deal, all yeah, three, um, which is beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, is, it can be confusing these days because you've got so many different ages and it's up to the diocese. We've got confirmation, not only at baptism in the East, but you've got pre-Holy um, Communion, you've got grade five in one diocese in Australia, we've got grade six in another, in America it's grade eight. It's just, okay, about four or five different places. And yeah, yeah, it would be nice as a Catholic um, family if we can somehow <laughs> synchronize, but that's, I mean, we've got the local churches. But yeah, beautiful. I, I think, um, yeah, the East, if people haven't been to an Eastern Rite liturgy, do encourage them. Can they go, and that's, that's something people can do, right? Any Roman Rite yes, of course, can yeah. go to any Eastern Rite So it's rite important to liturgy. say that, eh? Like, so when we talk about like the Roman Catholic Church, or the Latin Catholic Church, we're referring to the largest church within the Catholic Church. Mm. <clears throat> 98 or something percent of Catholics are Roman Catholics. Wow. So Ukrainian Catholics are as much Catholics as Roman Catholics, but they just have the Eastern kind of yes. tradition. So a lot of Eastern Orthodox came back into union with Rome after, sometime after the Protestant Reformation. Uh, some never left, um, but anyway. Yeah, so it's, okay. not, it's not Eastern Orthodox. It's, no, that's right. Yeah, that's, so anyone can attend to fulfill yeah, their Sunday so obligation. Encourage everyone to do it. Yeah. Finally, thank you. You're on tour at the moment. Um, 
and you've been, you'll, you'll be speaking with Jason over the next couple of days. Uh, you just had a, a great session with uh, over 300 women this morning, and then great. tonight we've got the men. Um, uh, but just a final thought from you. What would you like, I mean, what, what your sort of final words here, encouragement. Um, first of all, how can people, we've got the Pints with Aquinas podcast. There is a website. Is it literally Pints with Aquinas? Uh -huh. So we'll put that in. Is that it, pintswithaquinas.com? Yep. Put that in, um, and then those people who want to support you go to the same website. Is there a way of supporting? Yeah, they'll find it on there if they okay. want. Yeah, just final words of wisdom from Matt Frad. I I'll give you the wisdom that I want to hear, not the wisdom that I've imbibed and live perfectly, but I want to love Jesus. I want to I want to I want Him always to be on my heart and in my mind. I want to read the scriptures more than I listen to news media. Um, I want to. Be concerned about the things I have authority over. I don't want to be concerned about the things that I have no authority over, mm -hmm. like wars that are taking place and um, corruption that might be happening within whatever institution. I mean, some people might need to know about that. They might need to do things about that. But much of this stuff we don't need to know about. Mm -hmm. And it just takes us away from the things God has put us in charge of. So I would like to be the kind of man who loves Jesus Christ, puts him first and foremost, and then loves my wife and children well. Um, that's the kind of man I want to be, and I think that's the kind of man and you know, people watching, they should be that. Praise God. Um, yeah. Thank you. Pretty simple. Words of wisdom from my friend. I think that's important. I think we can have an impact if we do what we can. So thank you. Yes, All brother. It's Sydney. lovely to be Love here. Honoured to be here. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. I'm very honoured. and grateful to be back in Australia. Yeah, so good to have you. Thanks. All right, praying for you. Please pre keep praying for Matt Frad and Pints with Aquinas and may go from strength to strength and keep having that global impact it, it has been so far. Um, that's another Perusia podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel um, on YouTube and all the podcasting platforms. Please share with your family and friends. Thanks again. And that's another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarash, your host. Till next time, God bless.